Pop DNA fans, Erin and Rhonda here. So you lovely listeners know that every month we bring you a deep and detailed exploration of a cultural work and its connections to works that came before and after it. But if you've ever wanted to dive in even a little deeper... And why wouldn't you? And, and yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know I always do. Into these works that we explore... You should become a Patreon subscriber. Definitely should. So every month, exclusively for our Patreon members, we will post bonus content that supplements or is somehow thematically related to the topic of our main episode. So, for example, for our literature summer discussion of Beauty and the Beast, we recorded a commentary for the 2011 film Beastly. sure did. So good. Um, Which is, of (laughs) course, a Beauty and the Beast adaptation. And we also have a dramatic reading that is on theme for the topic as well. And then every month we also post our show notes for our episode, which are sometimes sometimes entertaining. They can be really fun. <laughs> there are a few different tiers of membership for our Patreon subscribers. And they start out at just a dollar a month. What, what a, a deal. deal. This is a really great and fun way to support our little show and we invite you to come join us we can party i like to party (laughs) just one more announcement so it might be a little early to start thinking about this if you're like one of those people who's like i can't even think about like two weeks from now but just wanted to put this on your radar we have another live show coming up in february we will be recording a bonus episode with a live audience at Nerd Fair Con Nerd 2020. Fair. Yay. And that's in the Seattle area. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, if you want to make a trip to Seattle, if you don't live here, then you just come on over. Now's your time. You can stay with me. No, just kidding. Just kidding. No. <laughs> and we'll be talking about Disney princesses um, at that show within the context of pop culture. And we will also be cosplaying as Disney princesses. Ooh, which so, Disney princess are you going to be, Erin? I'm going to be Meg. Who are you going to be? I'm going to be Merida. Yay! It's going to be really good. So you should really come see us. And this is a smaller con and it's kid-friendly and also very affordable and we would love we to, would see, love you to there. see you there. Yeah. Thank you, lovely listeners, Thank for you. being a part of this pop DNA journey and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Well, not see, but you know what I mean. Welcome to Pop DNA, the podcast that explores the literary and historical roots of your favorite pop culture works. I'm Rhonda. And I'm Erin. And if we sound a little bit tired and hungover right now, a little bit, that is because yesterday, we, yeah, we went to Geek Girl Con, which led to. That intro that we just did, that I talked, it was one sentence, took me a long time to do. (laughs) I had a whole voice that I was doing. Like, it was, I blame Geek Girl. (laughs) I blame, but in the best way, I had such a fun time. Uh Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. I think, I think, uh, 
I mean, so much of it was so great. I think my favorite moment was uh, when we saw Sansa Stark. Yes. And as we passed her, I yelled, Queen in the North. Yes. And she like turned around and she's like, yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing. (laughs) That was great. I also loved when you walked by Louise and said, geez, Louise. Ah, Louise Belcher. And then she turns around and she just goes, Right? right? <laughs> that was great. It was perfect. Yeah, if you if you want to see your favorite characters in a very interesting context, go to a con. Go to a con. It's so fun. You'll never feel more understood <laughs> by strangers than you will when you're walking through a and con. have like instant connections with yeah. strangers. That was what was great for was me. So like all of the so we went Partly with the intention to interview Captain Marvel uh-huh. cosplayers uh-huh. for this episode. And every single Captain Marvel we talked to was like, we had like that instant connection with them. Absolutely. It was so fun. It was so fun. And we were both interested to see that there were, were several Kikis from Kiki's Delivery yes, Service. several Coralines. But only which I found like interesting. four or five Carol Danvers. Yeah. Like there weren't many. Well, and also like, um, you know, a couple of the ones that we talked to, they just had like the Captain Marvel jacket on. Yeah. And we really only saw two that had like the full right. Captain Marvel bodysuit. But yeah, yeah, it was really fun though. It was really... I'm so glad we went. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. Um, And I love... I saw a lot more, like, entire family costumes than I thought. Yeah, that was so fun. Like, there was was, um, the Mulan and General Shang, and then their little baby was Mushu. Oh, it was so cute. He had a little hat that they had made into Mushu's face, and Uh it just looked... So wonderful. It was so cute. And then we also saw um, we saw Superman and Wonder Woman and their daughter, Elsa. Their little daughter. (laughs) It was was, fantastic. It was just really lovely to see. And then all of the like, I saw a bunch of like 10 to 12 year olds Mm -hmm. who were really like really owning their costumes and really had taken a lot of time to develop them. And I just thought that was really cool. That was fun. Yeah. And we, well, we, we didn't say we did see like a a couple, I want to say like two or three little girls who were Captain Marvel. And that was like, we're like, I want to talk to them, but that I don't want to be an adult approaching a child in a public place. Sure. Yeah. So we just didn't even go there, but, but that was so fun. It was really, yeah. Amazing to see how true to form geek girl con is to young girls. Like it's for them, you Mm -hmm. know, I really loved that. That's great. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah so. that was fun. But we're talking about, obviously, Captain Marvel. Yeah. The film. The, the movie film for theaters. The movie film for theaters. <laughs> and I think I saw three times in the theater. A lot of times. Mm, I saw it a lot. I think I saw it twice. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we're watching it right now. And it's on right now. It's... Uh, yeah, it's great. Um, of course, I... it was released this year, yeah. 2019. It was directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, who also wrote the screenplay, mm-hmm. along with Geneva Robertson-Dworet. 
And of course, it stars it stars Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Samuel L. Jackson is a significant, yeah, yeah. And um, Jude Law. Yeah. I always forget that I, it's so weird that Jude Law is in this. For me, <laughs> this is a weird thing to say, but I think his portrayal is such a transformation for him. That, yeah, like, totally. I forget it's him almost. Yeah, completely. And I also like the first time I saw this, I just felt like so met about his character uh-huh. because like at the beginning his character is kind of like he's kind of meh right. until you find out that he's actually the villain then you're like oh. oh and then I was like oh that's why yeah they cast you lies this yeah. character now it makes sense okay I had the it's so funny I had the exact same response in those first <laughs> scenes where they're training I was like oh whatever what Who's is this he? guy yeah why is yeah this doesn't make sense I was like, is he going to be some weird, like, love interest? Yeah, is that's that what where I was, we're going? That's what I was afraid of, too. I was like, no. I don't want, I'm not here for this. <laughs> but then I really, I loved that that's not the case. Yeah, that was cool. So that was, I think we just talked about our first experience yeah. in this movie. Um, um, but did you have, like, any awareness at all of Captain Marvel or Carol Danvers before this movie? One of the girls that I taught was very into the the comics. Sure. So I I didn't know the story, though. Um, I just knew that, like, a girl I was teaching really liked her, but I didn't know anything further. What about you? Did you? Um, Yeah, I didn't know. So I think so at the end of Avengers Infinity War, Mm -hmm. Nick Fury has his pager and he sends that message on his pager and then like the I remembered I was watching it in the theater when that when like the Captain Marvel like logo comes up on his yeah. pager. Yeah. And it's in color, which like <laughs> Right, right. But then you find out uh, like later in Captain Marvel that she like did something to his pager to upgrade it. So like okay, that's fine. So that works, um, yeah. <laughs> but when that first came up, I like watching Infinity War in the theater, I didn't, I don't think I got a very good look at it. Uh-huh. And it, I thought it was the Wonder Woman symbol because oh. it's similar colors and yeah. it has a no, similar, certainly. like the, you know, the bars that come down with the yeah. thing in the middle. And I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? What? <laughs> What's going on? What's happening? <laughs> so I had no awareness whatsoever of Captain Marvel or Carol Danvers before. Yeah. And then, yeah, when I, like started reading the news about like the Captain Marvel movie that was happening. I'm like, Oh, finally we're going to have a female led Marvel movie. That's great. Uh, About time, you know, about time. Um, (laughs) summer that infinity wars came out. I, um, I was teaching summer camp at a sleepaway camp. So I didn't get to see, you know, I didn't Mm -hmm. get to see it in theaters. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I found out one of my preschoolers told me. Yeah. Nice. Good stuff. That's Captain Marvel. But then, of course, we love it. We, yeah. And um, since, you know, seeing the movie and learning more about Carol, uh-huh. I have delved a little bit into the comics yeah. myself. I've gotten really into the, so I'll talk about this. 
um, when I talk about the history of the comics. But at one point, Carol Danvers was known as Ms. Marvel in the mm-hmm. comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she passed that mantle on to Kamala Khan uh-huh. in 2014. Kamala Khan became Ms. Marvel, and she's the first um, Muslim Marvel hero, which is so great. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like super into these comics. I'm absolutely. I, I have the, my collection here right now. So. Yeah. So I'll talk about this a little bit when we yeah. get into it. Um. Yeah. Yay. But you know what's really funny? So when Captain Marvel came out, mm-hmm. I think like two weeks later, mm-hmm. Shazam came out. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see Shazam? No. I didn't see it either. Yeah, I I felt like, yeah, that's a movie I feel like I would enjoy, but I never went to see it. I don't know. I again, I like I don't know. It could be amazing. But the trailer looked like I found out all the stuff I needed to know. And then it was over. (laughs) So like they tell you the whole movie in the trailer. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, So for like, I think probably a lot of fans already know that at one point, Shazam, who was a DC hero, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was known as Captain Marvel uh-huh. as well. Sure. Yeah. So there's a very complicated story behind this. Okay. And if you'd like to hear it. I would. You're in luck. Yay. Pull up a seat. I'm going to tell you. Yay. About shazam and captain marvel so (laughs) i'm so excited all right and um i'll also just preface this by saying all of the information that i got for this history is from um this article from polygon okay and uh this article was written by susanna polo okay um so and i mean i'm not gonna just read the article verbatim but just like to be like give credit where credit is due pretty much point for point all the information that I have is from this article so yeah so just let you know definitely go read it um but the story starts Uh are you guys cozy do you have your hot cocoa okay the story starts back in 1938 okay with the publication of Action Comics number one, which is where Superman first appears. This oh. this guy named Superman. I don't know if you've heard of him. Who is he? I don't know. Just <laughs> superhero. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually, <laughs> I'm not sure if Superman was like the first superhero, but he was definitely the first one that was like a big deal. Yeah. yeah like yeah. this was super popular. People were really into this. Um and I mean, it was it was mostly kids who okay. were first into superheroes, but it was a you know it was a big deal in 1938. Yeah, because um, you know people had never seen anything like this before. Yeah. So, Superman was really popular, and so a lot of other writers and artists started trying to like replicate that success with their yeah. own superheroes. Sure, that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so in 1939, um, these two artists named Cece Beck and Bill Parker created a hero called Captain Marvel for a publisher called Fawcett Publications, which was actually a book publisher Hmm. that had a comics 
like segment or arm or whatever. Sure. Um, So they created Captain Marvel. And um, so the background for Captain Marvel is that it was um, this little boy named Billy Batson who um, meets this wise wizard named Shazam. Mm -hmm. And Shazam, the wizard gives powers to Billy with the power of his name, Shazam. So when Billy shouts Shazam, he turns into Captain Marvel. Okay. Okay. So Captain Marvel's the hero and Billy's the little boy, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But DC Comics, who at that time was uh, National Comics, they were not happy about yeah. this Captain Marvel guy. Um, and then the Captain Marvel comics started to outsell the Superman comics. Okay. So they were like, oh, no, we got to do something. So, yeah. yeah. So like I said, at the time, it's called National Comics. And they're who was there who was publishing Action Comics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sued Fawcett, the publisher of Captain Marvel, okay. for copyright infringement in 1941. Sure. Um, and so the case, um, like it goes to trial yeah. and Fawcett wins, but then it's retried and National Comics wins. And mm-hmm. it's like they're going back and forth mm-hmm. about like, did they infringe on copyright? Was there even a copyright? Was there right. a trademark? You know, yeah. and what's interesting is that um, is that National Comics was claiming that Captain Marvel was too similar to Superman. Okay. So they were claiming this because he wears a brightly colored suit okay. and he's super strong and super fast and he can fly. Um, like they're okay. saying that. So which at the okay. time, Superman was the first character to have those powers okay and now we see that as like well i mean that's all superheroes like (laughs) right but at the time Uh that was kind of their you know they felt like that was their trademark Mm -hmm. right so anyway um so it goes back and forth in court over the course of like a decade wow yeah with you know faucet and national like kind of going back and forth so eventually in 1951, Fawcett settled out of court paying National $400,000, which oh. in today's money is $4 million. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so $4 yeah. million just to not have this legal battle anymore, oh, basically. Yikes. Um, and then Fawcett also agrees to, um, to not publish Captain Marvel comics anymore. Okay. So then, um, and that was in 1951. So then just two years later, they just stopped publishing comics entirely. So, right. So Fawcett still owns the uh, trademark, Mm -hmm. but they're not publishing comics anymore. But then in comes this little upstart called Marvel Comics in 1967. So they discover that Fawcett has let its trademark lapse Uh, for the phrase Captain Marvel. So Marvel Comics starts printing a series called Captain Marvel and created by this other guy you may have heard of, Stan Lee. 
I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Somewhere. And uh, <laughs> and Gene Colan was his co-creator. Uh-huh. And it's about the adventures of an alien named Marvell. Okay. Who comes to Earth. Um and then uh and then Carol Danvers was involved in these Captain Marvel comics from the beginning, but she wasn't yet known as Captain Marvel. So okay. all right, so Marvell is this alien man who yeah. like helps the citizens of Earth. Um but he meets Carol Danvers. Um so Fawcett still Fawcett com or Fawcett Publications, I think, is what their name was but anyway so they still have the copyright for captain marvel so like the origin story and the costume mm-hmm. and all of those original comics but because they had let the trademark lapse so that the difference between a copyright and a trademark mm-hmm. so they let the trademark lapse so marvel comics had the right to use captain marvel in their branding okay because yeah. of this. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So this goes on for a couple of years. Sure. And then in 1972, yeah. DC decides they want back in uh-huh. on this uh-huh. game. Yeah. So they were once known as National, but by 1972, they're rebranded as DC Comics. Gotcha. So they, um, <laughs> right. So they're, they're the ones who basically started this whole thing yeah. by suing Fawcett. Sure. But anyway, <laughs> um, so they license the character. So remember, Fawcett Publications still has the license of the character. Okay. But they're not publishing comics anymore. Right. So DC licenses the character from Fawcett. Okay. And then they start printing a series about a guy named Captain Marvel, who wears a red suit and shouts Shazam and Uh turns into Uh Captain Marvel. Um, So the same company that had basically driven Fawcett out of publishing comics altogether, they now have the rights to this. So they have Superman. And they also have Captain Marvel, which they said was too similar to Superman. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, but, okay, so this is important. DC's license only covered the copyright, not the trademark. So Marvel yeah. still has the right to use the trademark, like Captain Marvel for the branding, but not the copyright. Yeah. I know it's like, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very, very... Very fun. Well, Very I'm fun. exhausted just right. hearing about it. I know, it. right? Goodness. Okay. So <laughs> DC's first Captain Marvel series, they the title of it was Shazam because they didn't want, you know, they didn't want to be like too close to mm-hmm. the Marvel Comics trademark of Captain Marvel, even though within the comics, like within the Shazam comics, he was still called Captain Marvel. Okay. But they couldn't use that as the name of the comic book. Uh-huh. Right? Okay. Uh-huh. And, and this is very convoluted. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, when the DC editor, he, when they first started publishing the Shazam comic, it had the subtitle, The Original Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> so Marvel sends a cease and desist letter to DC. Okay. Um, <laughs> so then they had to change their branding. DC had to change their branding to the world's mightiest mortal okay. is what they ended up subtitling it. So it's Shazam, the world's mightiest mortal. But within the book, he was still called Captain Marvel. <laughs> I know. Okay. Uh, 
I know this just it's great. Yeah. Um, and then uh, 1972. So this is when DC started publishing the Shazam comic. Marvel Comics um, realized what was going on. <laughs> and they thought, okay, well, if we let this keep happening, DC eventually is going to completely take back everything about Captain Marvel that we're publishing in our Captain Marvel. So, um, so Marvel was like, okay, well, I guess we're just going to have to keep publishing a book with the title Captain Marvel if we want to keep our rights to the trademark. Right. So that's what they've done. <laughs> like right. Pretty much out of like... <laughs> I want to imagine it's just out of like pettiness. Sure. They're like, we're going to keep publishing Captain keep Marvel. And they have ever since. Ever <laughs> since 1972, Marvel has published a comic book called Captain Marvel. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, <laughs> oh, and yeah. um, I don't know exactly when. I don't remember if the article says or if um, or if it's known anywhere when. DC stopped using the name Captain Marvel like at all. So so now uh-huh. that hero's name is just Shazam. It's not Captain Marvel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um so I knew that um going into this episode I knew that I wanted to talk about this history because yeah. I just find it really fascinating and really interesting and kind of like funny in the pettiness yeah, that was going on funny, like. yeah um and then we put up that poll on yeah. uh on well on facebook i think is where it got the most traction we put up that poll of like which captain marvel do you like better yeah 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 and i think carol won by a landslide. i think yeah <laughs> so that was fun yeah she had my vote me too. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, but of course, over over the years since 1972, the character who has had the title of Captain Marvel has changed a few times. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, if we want to dive into the comics a little bit more... Yeah. After that story. <laughs> I think that could be its own movie. Like, oh my gosh, or, right? Like, it could. Or even... That I'm, would be a great movie, actually. That whole time you were telling me about it, I was imagining it as like a Pixar short before uh-huh. like, a Disney movie. Yes! <laughs> With like each of them just getting like comically more frustrated mm-hmm. and like... Yeah. yeah, like with like no dialogue, it would just be <laughs> totally. like these two warring cartoonists yeah. like... <laughs> scribbling away in their studios and like mailing each other like right yeah that'd be great well maybe like the superhero like maybe the superheroes are real in real life and they're just watching them like why are they oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah like they would like come off of the page like yeah. come off of the illustration be kind of watching oh, like my gosh. Guys, that's kind of silly uh-huh. right now and this and then like the superheroes would like meet each other and they'd shake hands and yeah. they'd like be friends and stuff you know what i'm copywriting oh, my gosh. okay this. no one steal this idea copyright gonna... and trademark yes very important important <laughs> lessons here you guys yeah so should we so, jump into your comics let's talk about the comics yeah. um so obviously the history of captain marvel and the history of carol danvers are not synonymous sure they've yeah. only you know actually just um 
2012, That's I think. 2011, I 2012 yeah. is the mm-hmm. first time that Carol Danvers was known as Captain Marvel. So for a lot of their history, she was not Captain Marvel. So yeah. the first Captain Marvel was actually Marvel, like I mentioned before. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a man, which in the Captain Marvel movie, she's a woman. Uh-huh. But yeah, originally it was a man. Um, and this was first printed in the 70s, like I mentioned. Sure. Um, so Marvel is an alien military officer from the Kree Imperial Militia, mm-hmm. like we see in the movie. And he's sent to observe Earth as it's starting to develop technology and prepare to travel through space yeah so it's like this super advanced alien civilization which i'll talk about yeah a little bit more (laughs) later on um so and they're seeing that humans on earth are starting to develop this technology so we're like we need to go watch them we need to see what they're doing yeah so they send marvell um but then he eventually um starts siding with earth with the humans on earth okay because he starts to see that like the kree are not maybe don't have the best intentions for uh-huh. the rest of the galaxy um as we also see in guardians of the galaxy yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so the so then the kree empire ends up declaring that he's a traitor because he's you know he's be- being friends with humans now okay. um and then he Marvel fights to defend the Earth mm-hmm. from other alien threats. Oh, I love this part where she <laughs> steals a motorcycle. Oh, um, <laughs> so the origin of Carol Danvers. Yeah. So I think I think I mentioned this a little bit that Carol Danvers was has has always been a member of the Air Force, mm-hmm. um, but she was someone that Marvel knew in like earlier iterations of the of the comics okay um so she um was created by roy thomas and gene colin yeah and she first appeared so like i said she's always been an officer in the air force um and she was a colleague of marvell and she first appeared in march of 1968 in uh, a book called marvel superheroes okay just like generic name right Uh, and then she later became the first incarnation of ms marvel which was in 1977 okay and then um and she became ms marvel when her dna was fused with marvell's during an explosion and that gave her like superhuman powers okay and then um, let's see. So she has at different points been um, teamed up with the Avengers and the X-Men in different. Oh, interesting. Yeah. In okay. different series. Yeah. Um, she has um, since becoming Ms. Marvel, she has been uh, quoted or uh, like it's been quoted that she is like Marvel's mightiest Avenger. Uh-huh. And she's also Marvel's biggest female hero. Yeah. So then, um, like we mentioned before, July 2012 is when she first assumed the title of Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And let's see. So, and this is actually like the, what the movie is mostly based on. Like it follows mm-hmm. that origin story pretty closely. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, there is this quote um, from the writer. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick is the one who wrote that Captain Marvel series. And she was quoted as saying that it could be pretty much summed up with Carol Danvers as Chuck Yeager. <laughs> Which I thought was great because uh-huh. she's in the Air Force. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, um, so it really, um, that comic series really explores what like the legacy of Captain Marvel means to Carol and how she embodies that. Yeah. Um, and then also it eventually explores like how the rest of um, Marvel superheroes react to her. Sure. Being yeah. Captain Marvel and having all this power. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I really, really. Interesting. It's so interesting to me like how many changes there had to be before we get to what we see in mm-hmm. um, the movie and just. Yeah, I'm still kind of um, unpacking all of the, like, um, legal battles that it went through before we got there, you know? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And how they're so different now. Like, I don't know if it was intentional for for Shazam and Captain Marvel to be released around the same time, they were released really close together, like a week or two apart. That's I want to say. Fascinating. Yeah. And like looking at how different they are from each other yeah. now, like yeah. even just like the trailers for them were yeah. super, you know, like Captain Marvel is like super like, I mean, it's not super serious, but it's like a little bit it feels a little bit weightier yeah. and a little bit more like psychological. And, and then Shazam. Trauma, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, Shazam is, um, Billy Batson is, um, a foster kid and he, oh, I didn't yeah. Know that. Um, okay. and so there is that kind of aspect in there. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but like the trailer for Shazam looks like it's just like yeah. Yeah. funny and yeah. But yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Really I, interesting. And I'm also like, I'm I'm excited. Like, it's nice that Shazam does come from the foster system, you know, just because they don't really get like, that story isn't told often in like a positive light, you know, but um, yeah, that's, I'm like, <laughs> I'm still unpacking all of yeah. this, like, yeah it's really interesting like how a comic book becomes a yeah well and we went to (laughs) (laughs) we went to that panel yesterday that ended up being really interesting Mm -hmm. that kind of had that like you know the so the panel we went to was um from brain to bookshelf yeah and it was basically just the process of publishing comics Mm. which i initially didn't realize that it was about comics i thought it was going to be about like novels yeah or you know fiction um and and then we got there and i was like oh it's about comics like oh that's fine we'll stay it'll it'll probably be fine yeah and it ended up being Mm -hmm. super interesting like i was like enthralled it was great and it got into like 
the politics of yeah published oh yeah like gender politics yeah world um and how yes and how marvel and dc are both boys clubs basically right yeah so yeah i thought that that was really interesting too especially um from two panelists who had gone through like success wasn't immediate for either of them so it was interesting to really hear the long slog of getting published you know totally um, and it, it was cool, too, to hear um, a lot of kids in the audience were asking them questions, mm-hmm. and they had really honest answers, I think. Yeah, that was great. Sometimes panelists sugarcoat it for kids in order yeah. to keep the dream alive, and I understand that to a degree. But I also think it's important, like, yeah, this is hard, but you should still do it. You mm-hmm. know? But yeah. yeah. So they, yeah, that was a great panel. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> you guys, just go to Geek Girl Con. Just go to Geek Girl Con. It's a good time. Just why didn't you come to Geek Girl Con why with us? You, you should have been there. We invited you. I know. I don't, well. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So are we ready to move on from this? Hmm. Are you going to talk about some science fiction? Maybe. Ooh. Right. I'm doing my shimmy, which means I'm excited are. about it. So I mentioned the Cree civilization. Yes. Which, for me, this was, like, immediately the aspect of the Captain Marvel movie that I wanted to explore. Yeah. Because yeah. it is this, like, alien civilization like this advanced uh-huh. you know empire yeah. that you don't really get to see very much of it yeah sure and so I wanted to explore that like where that came from yeah. and um like yeah it just made me think of like classic science fiction absolutely yeah um and you do like in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies you do see more of the Kree civilization yeah um so I was kind of thinking more of those movies when I was thinking about the Cree, just because it they have more information about it. Yeah. Um, but one uh, classic science fiction work that huh. I like immediately connected with the Cree civilization was Starship Troopers. Sure. By Robert A. Heinlein. Of Heinlein, Heinlein. I don't know how to say mm. his name. Heinlein, I think. Yeah. Is how. Anyway. Sure. So Starship <laughs> Troopers um, is really interesting. Uh, 1959. Okay. Is when it was published. Um, I mean, I think it was, yeah. So it was originally published as a serial, mm-hmm. um, which like almost anything published before like 1960 was probably published as a serial, yeah. especially... Uh, like science fiction. Sure. Um, so it was written actually um, as a reaction to the United States suspending nuclear testing, okay. which I found fascinating. Wow. I, I mean, I read the book a couple of times, but I didn't know that until I started researching. Um, yeah. So, yeah. you know, that was like when the U.S. was doing all that like nuclear testing following um, World War Two. Yeah. And yeah, it was. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> we don't need to get into that. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so Starship Troopers is set um, about 700 years in the future. Okay. And so the human society um, has kind of, like, the entire world has kind of come together under one world government called the Terran Federation. 
And it's very, it's a very militaristic society. Mm -hmm. So like the, um, like social order is ruled by military rank, basically. Okay. Um, And um, so it's depicted as like very, like technologically advanced Mm -hmm. and very affluent. Yeah. Um, But um, a lot of uh, rights of citizens have been, um, they've been kind of incentivized. So like you don't have the right to vote or hold office unless you serve in the military. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, But I mean, like every citizen has, you know, like free speech and and those rights, but you can't vote or like be involved in government at all unless you serve in the military. Um, So, uh, and that's important to um, realize because this is a very, it's a very militaristic society, much like the Cree civilization, which I think that's the connection I was making mentally. Um, But uh, the people, so people are permitted at age 18 to enlist in the military. Um, So this kind of structure of having like the governmental and societal structure being based on military service. Um, This arose after, um, they call it um, the collapse of the 20th century Western democracies. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it kind of rose out of this need for like the structure and, you know, regimented way of living. Um, So there's also two um, alien civilizations that are depicted in starship troopers so there's um what they call the bugs or they're like pseudo arachnids um and they're yeah and there's so their society or their like social structure is kind of set up like an ant colony so they have like their queens Uh and then they also have like their soldier and worker bugs um and then there's another species called um, the skinnies, okay. but you don't um, find out as much about them, really. Mm-hmm. But um, at the beginning of this of um, of the novel, so um, they know that these other societies, you know, these other alien civilizations exist. Yeah. Um, but they're not fighting them yet. But then they start okay. um, war. Um, by I think like at some point in the novel I don't remember when but like <laughs> they end up fighting each other yeah um and so initially it's earth fighting the arachnids or the bugs okay and then um the skinnies are allied with the arachnids but then they switch to okay. um supporting earth halfway through um so I so I mean I could talk a little bit about the plot of Starship Troopers but I think um, what's like most relevant to, you know, connecting with Captain Marvel is the depiction of this futuristic, militaristic society. Yeah. Um, and this, um, this kind of trope of like alien warfare that you yeah. see in Captain Marvel with the, you know, when she's part of her like military troop that goes out, um, and then also, you know, what you see in Guardians of the Galaxy as well. But I think, uh, yeah, just like I seeing that like reflected in 
in Captain Marvel. I love um, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's really the most relevant part of it. I mean, it's really, so the, um, like Starship Troopers is interesting. I I just like reread it a couple, I don't know, like a week ago or a couple yeah. weeks ago. Cause you know, I knew that I wanted to talk about it. Um, but it was interesting rereading it, like seeing it as like, I think the first time I read it, I like I just read it because I love science fiction and I wanted to read the classic yeah. and I didn't know very much about it. Um, but reading it this time, knowing now that that it's um, it's read by um, military cadets as like huh. part of their training. Okay. Um, yeah. So I had no idea. Yeah, wow. which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's part. There's a couple of great articles that I will link here. So one of them is um, is called "Why Starship Troopers Is on Every Military Reading List." Um, wow. Yeah. So, uh, and this was written by uh, Eric Milzarski. So when he's talking about the book, he says. Um, Starship Troopers makes heavy parallels between the mobile infantry and arachnids. So the mobile infantry is what the main character of the book is part of. Yeah. Um, the Earth Earth Federation uh, military. Yeah. Um, it's often incorrectly believed by casual readers or those without knowledge of the military that the novel promotes fascism and militarism. It does not. Okay. If anything, the novel explores the psyche of the troops as they head off into combat, but it use, utilizes an extreme science fiction setting to do it. Sure. Which I think is what I find most fascinating yeah. about it. Um, also with connecting it to Captain Marvel because, um, you know, what Carol goes through. So uh, there's another connection here because, um, you know, she's in the air force she was in the air force yeah. so it's reasonable to think that at some point she would have read starship troopers as yeah. part of her military training um but then also in her kind of indoctrination into the Cree military mm -hmm. um there's a lot of psychological aspect mm -hmm. to that because sure. we're dealing with like her memory which you're going to yeah. talk about um but like her memory and her psyche and yeah. kind of how she has to like what Jude Law's character is always telling her to like you know like using like her psyche and her psychological state to yeah. like better herself sure you know um yeah in uh in fighting so right yeah yeah, Gosh. really interesting. <laughs> Just fascinating. I did not know that Starship Troopers was in, you know, in, involved in any way, like in like reading lists for those involved in the armed forces. That's mm -hmm. like fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um. So yeah, I um, as someone who is not in any way affiliated with the Air Force or the Army or any of that at all. <laughs> Um, I was really interested to see how um, Carol Danvers, um, how accurate her portrayal is as like a um, fighter pilot. Mm -hmm. But then that um, that gave way into a more important topic, I think, that I kind of happened upon. So 
I was researching, I found this article on airforce.com actually, um, about the impact of Captain Marvel on the Air Force. Oh, interesting. Um, Did they see like a rise in recruitment or anything after it came out? I, um, so Stephen Lousy, um, wrote the article, um, and it, it didn't really, um, comment on like an influx of participants or anything, but it did, um, comment on how the, how the, this film specifically, um, pays homage to people who have been important in military history Mm -hmm. and Air Force history. So Chuck um, Yeager. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, as we know, Kelly Sue DeConnick wrote the 2012 comic book, um, which becomes the version we see in the movies. And she comes from a military background. Her entire family was involved in the military. Um, and so a lot of that portrayal is really authentic. And then um, specifically, Brigade General Jeannie Levitt was the very first female fighter pilot in the Air Force. And she is now um, the woman who trained Brie Larson in her oh, portrayal okay. of Cap- Captain Marvel. So she... Um, she is still a commander at Nellis Air Force Base. She's the commander of the 57th um, Infantry Division. And she, um, that's where the writers of Captain Marvel and Carol Danvers are not, I'm so, I just called Brie Larson Carol Danvers, you guys. <laughs> that is where Brie Larson went um, to make sure that her portrayal was realistic. And, um, General Leavitt's or yeah, General um, Leavitt says that she almost wanted to make like poke fun at Brie Larson for how accurate she wanted the portrayal to be. <laughs> she was like, "How do you enter the the plane? How do you exit? How do you do these little things, little day to day things?" Um, and she was just laughing that like a civilian wouldn't know, <laughs> you know, it's just, like they were so well, obviously, in, yeah, they were so ingrained in her every day, but she was like, it was um, cool to see that level of attention paid. Um, so I thought it was really amazing that they found the very first female fighter pilot um, who's still active and who's still leading, um, which is just incredible. And then just to warn, just to do another trigger warning, um, this part of the story gets a little bit sad. So deeply sad even, not just a little bit sad. But so another person who majorly influenced Carol Danvers' portrayal um, was Major Del Baño. And he served as a consultant for the movie and appeared in several of the flashback scenes. He plays the character of Crud, um, who's just one of the one of the guys in some of the background flashback okay, scenes. Sure. And he was also a fighter pilot. And during the filming, he had a plane crash and oh passed away. Um, and so, in every single flashback of the move um, that happens in the movie, you can hear people saying his um, nickname, Cajun. People Aww. like the background um, artists were saying it all the time. And they really tried to honor his memory in that way. Brie Larson um, posted a tribute about his passing. And he's. Um, they even kind of included more of his character after he passed in mm-hmm. the flashback scenes. Um, so he... Just became uh, it, he also gets the um, at the very beginning of the scene. It's or the very beginning of the movie. It's dedicated to his memory. So I thought that was really important to include. Um, 
And then just some some more fun details. Um, so where am I? Oh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we also see a burning piano um, in the film. And that's an important sim- symbol of tribute to fallen pilots. Mm-hmm. The burning piano symbol began as an homage to a fighter pilot who served in um, England's Royal Air Force in World War II. And the pilot was an incredible musician, specific- specifically a pianist. And when he passed away, a piano was burned in order to mourn the loss of all the music that they wouldn't hear created from him. Oh. And so this became a traditional symbol of the loss of a soldier and is used to this day um even though it originated in world war ii um and the film features a burning piano to honor just all of the lives that we've lost to this day Mm -hmm. in the air force community um oh this was really neat too so there's also (laughs) significant good news now this gets happy my segments on this show are always like and it's about (laughs) to get even maybe more sad so um but so there's also a significance to the bar that serves as the location okay. for many of the flashbacks. Right. Um, the bar so is doing karaoke. Yeah. 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 I love Which that. One of my favorite scenes because yeah. <laughs> it, it really establishes their friendship. It really establishes like, I think a lot of the sadness of the film because you see what Carol has forgotten. Right. And, like, what her what life she's included. lost. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the bar is named Poncho's Bar. And Florence Poncho Barnes um, created the Women's Air Reserve. And that was um, created to ensure that female pilots had a place within the Air Force. And the to this day, the reserve works to assist female pilots. And um, additionally, this was really fun. In 1930, Florence Poncho Barnes broke the women's record for, um, for flight speed. Oh. And the previous record was held by Amelia Earhart. What? So she she broke Amelia Earhart, yes. Earhart's record. So I really, I loved seeing uh-huh. both in the, like... Amelia Earhart is still alive. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She's in the Bermuda Triangle. Well, she's got to work on her flight did speed. You, did you have, like, a phase in your childhood when you were, like, terrified of the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah. <laughs> right? I remember. Like, oh, no. People are just... Are we not doing anything about this? I remember like, learning about that whole story. I was like, what? How is this just okay? Right. We're just okay with this? <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> no, yeah. I remember thinking that because it it was when you're forming your worldview. Right. And to hear that that happened, you're like. Like what? Wait, no, this isn't in a movie. This That's is real. That's not okay, guys. This, what? My teacher's telling me this thing that is scary. <laughs> Like I've I've ruled out yeah. that there's gonna be like quicksand on my school campus, right? But the Bermuda Triangle exists, right? <laughs> like, this is scary. Um. Anyway, not to derail the entire. No, no. I think I'm about to talk about trauma. Sure, so I sure, think we sure. We need to laugh a little bit, and yeah. I also. I just in what I just spoke about, I just wanted to honor those lives that are celebrated in this film, and yeah. it made me have. I already loved this movie Mm -hmm. and it made me love it even more to see them use it as a tribute and a honor. Yeah, that's really cool. I thought that that was really important. So as usual with my stuff, I have to give a trigger warning right now because I am going to talk about the um, psychology of trauma and memory. Mm -hmm. 
So if that's not something you're ready to listen to, like, please skip ahead or come back to it or whatever. But um, I think a really important part of Captain Marvel is all that psychology. Yeah, definitely. Um, In one of the opening scenes, they talk about how, like forgetting is your brain's response to a traumatic experience right because like all you can do is forget until you're ready to it's like a self-preservation mm-hmm. yeah because you can't really move forward right right now with that you might be able to later um so i really love that Cop- captain marvel talks about that psychology um i especially hone in on the psychology of trauma and its impact on memories um so Throughout the movie, Carol reclaims her past and the moments which she has forgotten, but she that's a huge process for her. And um, we see clips of her former life come back to her, like, bit by bit and fragmented. Um, and my other favorite thing is that we see Carol responding to her loss of memory and th- that traumatic response, but we also see how it's impact her loved ones and her family. Right. Um, I count... I count Maria and Monica as her family because yeah. they're, you know, and in that, you know, it's also really great that we see a non-traditional family in this film, Yeah, too. totally. Like, yeah. So, um, Especially if you ship Carol and Maria. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Absolutely. That was, like, a big thing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, obviously, Maria and Monica are also heavily impacted by... Carol's return you know we watch Maria and Monica um kind of show us how family and friends can assist those who are going through these things um it becomes an in-depth look at healing I think because we see Carol experience it as the individual whose memory has been impacted and then we see Maria who experienced this as a best friend and mother who has to explain this process to her daughter and then I so thorough we also see monica experience this depth of pain for maybe the first time as she watches Mm -hmm. a beloved adult go through this so monica has to watch this as a really young girl she's 11 i think um and i let like that little actress is so good she was 11 when she filmed this yeah like wow she's she does so great she's incredible um and then um So Carol works through the trauma. I think the most heartbreaking thing about Carol for me with the trauma is that she has to walk through it all again as a result of her memory loss. So she she's like reliving the memory. Yeah. So she does not remember the good or the bad. Um, And with each new loving memory comes the knowledge that she's inadvertently really, really hurt the people that she loves. Right. Um, And it wasn't her fault but she still feels that impact that she has um and then I'm always impacted by the scene where Carol returns to Maria's home after a long period of time and does not have access to the memories of their life together Mm -hmm. as best friends um she has not contacted Maria because she couldn't um and that was so impactful to Maria in the way that trauma has kind of a water drop in a pool effect right. on the lives of the family cycle. So in the movie, Lashana, Lashana Lynch blows me away. Yes, she's so great. Like this portrayal of a best friend who loves someone so much, but has also been so 
hurt mm-hmm. and how she has to learn how to process that for herself and support her friend all at once. And I think that just that portrayal is so vulnerable and open and just a really nice look at how love is healing in these situations. Um, And then moving to the child psychology of it, we talk a lot about the adverse childhood experiences um, and family systems theory. So ACEs ACEs, um, is the discussion um, of how adverse childhood experience impacts the individual. And then that individual um, and those actions, those traumatic actions ripple out to impact other members and and children. So Monica, as we said, is 11. And she so I think that that means at the time. So I think Carol has been gone for six years. Yeah. So at the time that she disappeared, Monica was five years old. That's kind of the yeah. math I did on it, too. Yeah. Like. And of course, like the younger you are, the more, you know, the 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 greater impact that experience is going to have on your long term psyche. Absolutely, so at five years old. That's, that's got to be significant. Yeah. And it wasn't like a gradual loss of Carol. She is ripped from from her family unit. You know, so we also see um, how these ripples of trauma can be repaired when Carol returns, and how the family unit processes things together. I think. Specifically from the viewpoint of a young girl who's gone through this for six years, mm-hmm. we see that scene where Mona- Monica asks Carol what happened. Yeah. And then they have that conversation together. And um, Akira Akbar, who plays Monica, just plays this beautifully. You know, she handles the complexity of the healing with Grace. Mm-hmm. And we really see a beautiful character arc by the end of the film. So, um, she is so honest in her portrayal of Monica and we watch her character heal through the progression of the movie. And then we get, I think my favorite scene is when uh, Carol gives her her jacket at the very end. Gives me chills just thinking about it. I also love the scene where she's helping her. She, um, uh, Monica is helping Carol like figure out like what colors she wants her suit to be and she keeps like changing it and she's and carol's like well you have the best style of anyone obviously yeah just i love that moment just to like wrap up this discussion i just (laughs) like of psychology psychological trauma i think we see the power of the family cycle yeah in this film and i think um yeah, it's just kind of a perfect look at how you can overcome, you know, mm-hmm. if um, if you're willing to come from that space of vulnerability and it's a hard place to get to. Um, and then also just seeing seeing um, seeing Carol and Maria team up together again. Yeah. yeah. When, you know, they're flying off um, and yeah. Like yeah, <laughs> it's it's like they got the band back together and I they're flying know, together again. Absolutely, and like clearly they're you know like everything isn't fixed yet, but they're good. Like and that's, they're, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my favorite part about it is it's not perfectly healed because I think a lot of time when we talk about healing and psychological trauma, sometimes you see the the storyline of oh everything's fine now it's fine I'm right. fine. And yeah. that's not how any human person would be able to process that. So it, it becomes 
like hurtful because then individuals who are going through this watching the movie are like, well, why couldn't I just get over it? Mm-hmm. You know, what's wrong? But um, yeah, so I, I love just the healing time. And healing time. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk about <laughs> psychology. <laughs> if you were plugging your ears, we're about to talk about fun stuff. So yeah, welcome back. <laughs> um, yeah. So do you, Aaron? Yeah. How much of the '90s do you remember? I love. I was. <laughs> Probably the late 90s you remember quite a bit. Oh, yeah. But like the mid 90s when this takes place, I mean, I don't really. Mm, Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be about 95. So I mean, like I was like seven, eight. Yeah. So like I remember some stuff, but like. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, kid stuff. Like, Uh you know. It's actually a little interesting that you ask because that was like a form of that. So I'm thinking specific, this is three years later, so I'm thinking of 98, but I was in the third grade and the Spice Girls yes. were impacting my view of womanhood. Yes. So I walked around in the platform heels. Girl power. And the girl power. And that was a really big formative year for who I would become as a as a woman later and kind of my development, um, like my identity as feminine and femininity and all of that. So um. I think 1998 specifically had a huge impact. Yeah, on it's a on very formative year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't think that the Spice Girls were around yet in 95, but we did have like No Doubt and uh-huh. Garbage, uh-huh. which both have songs that are used at key points in yeah. Captain Marvel. Especially that, I love that. Um, so it was like... I mean, it's like super on the nose and even almost cheesy when they have just a girl during that like big fight scene at the end. Oh, I love it. I loved it so oh much. Oh my gosh, I love it. I'm that. like, yes, this is yes. completely on the nose, but I love it. Like, I loved that this song. Is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then of course, uh, the garbage song. I think it's when she's um when she's riding the motorcycle. It's a, uh-huh. I'm only happy when it rains. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, another great moment. But um, but yeah, but both of those bands are kind of known for having these famous, like, strong female lead singers. Oh, yeah. Which I think is kind of uh, the girl power angle that the, yeah. <laughs> the girl power view of the 90s that he's <laughs> trying to take. Um, but I don't know. I have been kind of thinking about this, about like, what is the significance of setting this story in the 90s? Sure. Because like, obviously they had to like, they had to make this part of the story happen before the rest of the stories in the a- in the MCU. Uh-huh. So they have like, I think the very first one was Iron Man, which was in 2008. Okay. So it had to be sometime before 2008. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there had to have been enough time for um for Shield to be started. Yeah. In between 19, you know, in between whenever Captain Marvel was around and when Iron Man started so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess that was just the time frame that they were working with and they were like oh yeah. so we'll set in the 90s but I also like to think that they it wasn't just out of like you know 
timeline necessity that they set in the 90s sure. that they also because you, know, you know they could have chosen to set it in like the 80s or the 70s yeah you know because and like and maybe like the late 60s early 70s would have made sense because yeah like that's when the captain marvel comics started to be so big uh-huh. you know and that's when kind of like um like the space race was going on and everything yeah um so that would have been an interesting time to set it so they made the choice to set it in the 90s is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they made the choice. They had other choices, but sure. they made that choice. So I'm wondering, like, if there is something about, like, you know, the something about the culture mm-hmm. of the 90s mm-hmm. that made them choose that well, as the backdrop. Right. I don't know. What do you think? I think <laughs> I'm, I'm finding it hard to remove my personal... So... Because that had an impact on who, like, my view of femininity, like, the 90s will always be impactful um, to, like, my growth as a woman. I, I look at it as a time of really wonderful, as we're talking about girl power. But that's, right. I mean, but that existed in Everett, like. Sure. I mean, that was a big thing of, in the late 60s, too. Absolutely. Late yeah. 60s, 70s. Yeah was kind of that second wave of feminism. Right. So, I mean, maybe they just were able to lease a blockbuster. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that whole scene in the blockbuster where where we see, like, the, the VHS boxes for, like, Hook and the rights, <laughs> or I think there's, like, a right stuff poster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like, yeah, that girl power angle of the 90s is a really interesting one to think about because like, oh, this is the scene I was talking uh-huh. about where she changes the colors on her suit. Yeah. Um, but uh, like the gender politics in the 90s are really interesting because yeah. you had this kind of like, so I think that's considered like third wave feminism, that okay. like 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was kind of like... Like, looking back at it from 2019, it was really kind of a a really surface level kind of token feminism sure. when you really think sure. about it. Yeah. Because there was, you know, the whole girl power thing with the Spice Girls and, like, even, like, No Doubt and Garbage yeah. and these other, like, you know... Uh, like a clueless. Like, I love clueless I so much. Yeah. But, yeah, it was just... It was more of like, uh, like consumerist feminism. I know. You know, like, and that's. I mean, you do kind of see that now too. Like, sure. You know, with the like pink pussy hats. Like, I. That's kind of a thing now too. But especially back then, when you look at like, it was. It was. Uh, girl power was to sell. CDs, you know? know, and I don't know if like, maybe I'm reading way too much into this, but I don't know if like Captain Marvel is set in the 90s to kind of like expose that. I love about that. About the 90s. Yeah. Or if they're playing into that and trying sure. to sell it as, hey, this is a girl power movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? Tell us what you think. <laughs> Tell us what you think. Because, yeah, like, being 
like when I when I first started loving the Spice Girls, I was six years old, so I sure. didn't have any like any you of took this everything dialogue. at face value. Absolutely. Yeah. And now looking back at them and watching like their movie, I'm like, oh my, it's like oh Spice World. <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys like, yeah, it's. That still amazes me that Spice World exists. Oh, (laughs) that Spice Girls had their own movie. Oh my gosh. What? (laughs) I'm sure that if I watched it now, it would be cringy, you know? Yeah. Maybe we should have done a commentary of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, we did a commentary on Wonder Woman. We did. For this. So you should go listen. And we'll talk about that in a second but um you know we were talking about um we of course want to look at the cultural impact yes that kept so you know not just within the context of culture now but kind of what we think going forward that impact is going to look like um and we went to geek girl con we sure did where there were lots of Female people. There were. Female identifying people. Yeah. Who um, had thoughts. Had a lot of thoughts. And we wanted to capture some of those. For people who didn't know that we were going to record them, that like when they came to the event that day, mm-hmm. I was impressed by yeah. their responses. And I mean, clearly, have, so we interviewed people who were either like cosplaying as Captain Marvel or, mm-hmm. you know... Like, a couple of them had, like, Captain Marvel jackets on. Yeah. So we knew going in, okay, they're clearly, uh, you know, have some kind of identification with this character. So they're going to have thoughts on this. Sure. I think that's kind of where our thought process was. Yeah. We also just wanted to interview Captain Marvel. We did. We wanted to talk Um, to her. But I think we can... um, You don't want to hear us talk about this more. You want to hear Captain Marvel's thoughts. So... Here they are. So, first of all, what's your name? My name is Amy. And But today you are... Today I'm Captain Marvel. Perfect. The comic book Captain Marvel costume. Yes. Very, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see like the sash. Yeah. You've got the it. Badge. Perfect. Oh, so perfect, yeah. <laughs> cool. But, um, so do you like the movie Captain Marvel too? Or um, prefer I like the it, comic one? But I definitely prefer the comics. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, movie is... I'm not really sold on Brie Larson as like okay, sure. the Captain Marvel persona. Sure. Okay. So she'll have to grow on me, but I I actually I think it's decent. Okay. Nice. Who would you have cast? Oh, I like that. Oh, that's a really great question. <laughs> so my sister Yourself, obviously. Well, obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, my sister brought up uh, uh, the girl that played Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she, she would, would be really great. good. And actually, I think that Scarlett Johansson would have been a really good yeah. cast as well. Because she's really versatile in everything mm-hmm. that I've seen her in. And um, if she wasn't Black Widow, definitely Captain Marvel, I yeah. think. Yeah, sure. Um, but just like in terms of the character of Captain Marvel, whether in the movie or in the comics, what do you feel like she means to you? Um, I really appreciate Captain Marvel because in the comics she's not represented as, represented as this like really put together character who knows black and white right from wrong. She has her own struggles, alcoholism, all of that, and they really make her a real person. And that's what we all should you know realize is that these superheroes are they're not always portrayed as real people. Sure. And when you can resonate with their struggles, then 
you can bridge a, a better connection with who you love, basically. Yeah. Totally. I love that. Um, and then last question. Sure. Would you support an all-female Marvel movie? Uh, fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can I c curse on air? We'll, we'll bleep it out if we'll we need to. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure it's, it's the emphaticness of it yes, is, you know, yes. there, right? We will keep yeah. that intact. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So first of all, what's your name? My name is Melody. But you are Captain Marvel today? Yes, yes. Carol. Carol. Great. Carol, yes, <laughs> Carol, of course. Carol, apologize. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm what incognito is, for the con. Yeah, sure. sure. You um, have to be so, safe. like, what, is, what does Carol and Captain Marvel mean to you? Honestly, I think it means kind of a... Um, being able to be a strong woman yeah. uh, and to be able to uh, come into your own and uh, to be able to have your own agency and uh, to not have to rely on anybody yeah, uh, and to be able to um, just just be be strong and and uh, deal with your own deal with your own shit basically awesome yeah. <laughs> would you support an all-female marvel movie oh yeah absolutely <laughs> of course i feel like we don't even need to ask yes that. yes like, exactly um, right so first of all what's your name captain marvel oh of course love it how did i not know that <laughs> she's um, ronda i'm so sorry um so uh, what we've just been asking everyone is what does Captain Marvel slash Carol Danvers mean to you personally? Um, the thing I like about the Captain Marvel um, character is that it's in a, it gives a, character, a female character that's on a par with Wonder Woman. And so I like there being additional superhero female characters yeah. that are very powerful. Um, so that's kind of what it means to me. Um, I, I wasn't really familiar with the whole backstory from the movie. I don't know if that's like the same backstory as the comic book or not. Um, but it was really interesting to see the backstory with being gone to an alien um, planet and all that kind of stuff and not remembering. And But I thought it was really cool when she did remember because that just it like made her humanity come out even more yeah so so yeah definitely uh, you mentioned Wonder Woman how do you feel like Captain Marvel kind of fits in with like the female superheroes that we have like mm -hmm. within that context how mm -hmm. do you see that um you mean Wonder Woman or, or uh, Captain Marvel Captain Marvel yeah Captain Marvel um, I think it's cool because in the DC universe that Wonder Woman is from, she's kind of like the only one. Yeah, um, like Smurfette. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Whereas in the Marvel universe, they have a couple powerful women. I would say Captain Marvel is the most powerful. Um, but it's nice to see that kind of expanding. And I wish, I wish DC would would bring on more female characters as well. And I think a lot of it, um, there, until the Wonder Woman movie came out, I don't think Captain Marvel could have been made. Sure. Because I think part of the reason why it took so long for Wonder Woman to come out is because, the, I don't know, they didn't think it would sell. Yeah. Sure. You sure. know, you know. And so that's kind of led the way for the Captain Marvel movie, which right. was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then kind of jumping off from that, would you be on board with an all-female Marvel movie? That would be awesome. <laughs> right? There is actually a comic book. Okay. It's, um, they're called the, shoot, I can't remember the name of it, um, but it's, it's, um, 
Batgirl, no, the former Batgirl. Sure. Okay. It's it's a she. Is it Birds of Prey. Yes, Birds okay. of Prey. Yes. Yeah. So it's a comic yeah, book a all women. Series. Yes, yeah. yes. So I think that is great. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that, that um, to seeing that. So yeah, that'll be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So first of all, what's your name? Uh, my name is Lori. Uh, but today you are Captain Marvel, of course, Carol. Um, so, just what does Captain Marvel and Carol Danvers mean to you personally? Uh, she really feels like just the epitome of the badass female character who isn't from space or isn't, right. you know, super powered yeah. uh, through her own powers or something like that. And just the. I heard it summed up really well as uh, Captain America gets up again because it's the right thing to do. Captain Marvel gets up again because F you, that's why. <laughs> and that's what really spoke to me about it. Totally. <laughs> I love that. Um, how do you think that Captain Marvel fits within the context of superheroes or just kind of pop culture in general? I feel like it's... In the newest versions, it's it's kind of looking in new directions of things like that and really looking at just, you know, uh, female characters as powerful, strong characters on their own right and because they've earned it and not just because of, you know, superpowers from space or something sure. like that. Sure. And it's it's something you've really worked for and earned and showed, like, this is me. I can do this on my own. I don't need anyone else to help me do it. Yes. Uh, and then last question. Do you support an all-female Marvel movie? I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Thanks so much. Yeah. I like how we had to just take that poll to make sure that they would all be in support of an all-female Marvel movie. I also really liked the wide range of different perspectives. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, each of these women saw Carol in a different light, and I really... I enjoyed hearing from them. Yeah. yeah, that was really fun. I felt like that kind of enriched our experience too. Of, Absolutely. Of Geek Girl Con. I feel like this is like reading like an ad for Geek Girl Con. Maybe they should sponsor us Maybe or something. The, hey, Geek Girl Con. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, so. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So we asked them, of course, like if they would support an all-female Marvel movie because there have been like kind of like rumblings yeah. in the Marvel universe about the possibility of making that happen at some point. I think it'd be really cool. Um, I, would, I would be there. Yeah, like, totally. Sure. Um, but, you know, kind of looking uh, in the same vein, looking to the future of female superheroes, um, you know, we have a couple Movies coming up next year that yeah. we already know about. Uh-huh. Um, finally, a Black Widow movie. Yes. Like, it's like, I mean. Yeah. Wh- why did it take so long? Well, it like, took, honestly, it why? It took go a while. Why? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. And it comes out on my birthday, so. Oh, that works out. Yeah, so that'll be fun. So um, yeah, that'll work out. And then. I, I can't think. think of any other movies. Can you? I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe there's oh, one. Oh, maybe. Maybe there's one, one. about <laughs> about a, two, a princess right? of the mascara hmm. who is the daughter of Zeus and an Amazon and <laughs> and the title. Perhaps references a George Orwell novel. Sure, sure. 
Is it possible? Is it Wonder Woman? I think that's it. Nineteen eighty-four. <laughs> yeah, Wonder Woman is getting her sequel. Which we're super excited for. How amazing does the poster look? <sighs> it looks so good. I'm so excited. Um, and you know, it's so in our Wonder Woman episode, of course, we talked I think I'm I like talked a little bit about how um like it's just going to be the reality for a little while that Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel are going to be compared to each other just because we have nothing else to compare either one of them to. Sure, sure. And in a way, that's really unfair. I know. And I it's know. because they are completely different stories. Absolutely. Completely different characters. Yeah. And it's, it just, you know, is reflective of the the reality of the need for more yeah. women to be superheroes Absolutely. and have their own movies. Yeah. So. It's just when you look at the numbers, like by gender of superheroes, yeah. it's just, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, not great. Yeah. But you know, it's changing. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be really good. <laughs> And I mean, like, I also love that, like, there is all, like, you were mentioning, like, there is, like, all this fan art showing, like, Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel, like, Uh you know, um, being, you know, like, supportive of each other. Right. Which is so cool. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really great. Um, I also just want to do a call to action to all those writers out there and comics, like, Give us more of yeah. your work. I want to see yeah. your heroes. Like Kamala Khan. I want to yes. see a Kamala Khan movie. I think I might have read at some point that there might be talks of a Kamala Khan series Ooh. for Disney+. Plus. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember where I read that and how like certain it was that it was actually going to be happening. Right. So don't quote me on this. But yeah, yeah. I think that that is in talks at, at some okay. level of development. So that'll be really exciting. Of course, I'm a big Kamala Khan fan. Yeah. And I was disappointed we didn't see any Kamala Khan cosplayers. I know. Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that'll be, that'd be great. Yeah. I don't think that we had a lot of like planned content for this, this topic, but I think that, you know, yeah. we kind of we kind of talked about this pretty extensively in the Wonder Woman episode. So go back and listen to that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. We talk about our hopes for the future of Yeah. of female superheroes. So I just I think it's a really exciting time now with places like like YouTube and other places where you don't need um like big wig permission to tell these stories. Yeah. You can just put your content out there. And I think it's, it's exciting to see the independence kind of coming out mm-hmm. um, and having to fight kind of tooth and nail to get those stories out there. But I think that there are a lot of artists who are telling like a wide variety of stories. Um, so I guess keep doing that. Yeah. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Yeah. Nice. We- <laughs> Yeah. Um, wow. 
you guys we're know great. we're not great at the <laughs> endings. It's because we don't want to say goodbye to you. And it's because we don't plan it. We, we don't know. write it or outline it or anything. Well, because the worry, I think, is that it would feel inorganic. Yeah. And we don't know, like, where the conversation is going to be exactly yeah, so at that hard. point. So, and, like, what the what the mood of the room is going to be, I guess. Or, like, earlier when it took me, like, 20 minutes to read a sentence. Like, sometimes I mess up like that. So, like, giving me a script is not always great. So, But not giving you a script means you don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like rocking a hard place working with me sometimes. I don't know, I don't know I don't you guys. Know. Anyway, I mean, we do always talk about our quiz. Yeah. The quiz we took. Uh-huh. To find out which character we are. This time there were two of them. Yeah, I found two quizzes. Um, the second one was... Really interesting. One of them was funny because it was based on... One of them was, like, based on your preferences on, like, yeah, something... That has, like, nothing to do with anything. Right. <laughs> Just, like... Is like a random character, yeah. So on that one, I um, I was Yon Rog. So we know. So <laughs> we know that those results are inaccurate. And I mean, can't you see the resemblance? Oh yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But you were Talos on that one. Uh huh. Which I Talos is actually my favorite character. Yeah. And I. That's the result I got on the first quiz. So I like the first quiz better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I d- well, yeah. <laughs> well, the first quiz <laughs> in the grand tradition of BuzzFeed, the second quiz was <laughs> pick a something, something, and we'll tell you yeah. who you are. It's like, what? Uh-huh. Is this someone's job? Or the one that was like, plan a vacation, and we'll tell you uh, which Lord of the Rings character you are. <laughs> Fun what? fact, these quizzes are how I decompress, how yeah. I used to decompress from like nine hour teaching days. These I would quizzes just... are how I get psychological insight into my own life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if BuzzFeed tells me right. that I am Talos, then, then, we're, then we're good. Then, then that's we're, fine. Then... It told me I was Carol Danvers, which can't like... Can't be mad at that. Can't be mad at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't see it. I see myself as Monica. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to say, or, um, oh gosh, I remember, I can't remember, um, Talos's child. Oh, sure. Sure. Uh-huh. Who's like barely in it at all. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> or like the cat. <laughs> yes. Um, goose. You, got, you know what? That's right. You're I'm goose. goose. You're totally goose. I didn't mean to tell a lie earlier, but I am goose. You are goose. <laughs> Sincerely. Cool. So you're goose. I'm Talos. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Perf. Perf. Oh, Carol. All right. Well, so, I mean, that's that's all our all our. That's, that's what we have planned and i think that we're pretty much like brain done at this point it's been a <laughs> you long know? week for the it's weekend for the weekend. podcast in a very good way like i'm yeah. so happy about it yeah it was great but yeah um we're ready do you want to announce next month's foray Should into we? yeah we haven't said anything about this and i have so like We've known for a long time now we what have. our next three episodes are going to be. And I have been like itching 
to tell everyone. It's an easy, it, I think it was the easiest decision we've ever I, made. Yes, it was definitely, I've never been more sure of yeah, anything in my I, life right? than our December topic. So, and, you know, it's, it's very fitting because there's a brand new installment of this franchise coming out in December and we are going to talk about it. We are, we are not only going to talk about it. We are going to live it. We are. We are going to embody it. Yes. We are going to blog about it with a lot of question marks. Oh, so many question marks. <laughs> we're going to be terrible journalists. No. And we're going that's to never find be true. Um, important official legal documents hidden in Christmas ornaments. Hidden in Christmas ornaments. Because that is how things work because... in this cinematic universe of. Oh. A Christmas Prince. <laughs> I'm and so excited. And that is excited. our December topic, that is my our, friends. I watched this movie. You're welcome. <laughs> for the first time on this very couch. Oh my goodness. I follow the lead actor on Instagram. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and find do. him so delightfully. Like he rejects any sort of celebrity he has. He just <laughs> lives his life. And that's my favorite thing. Has, but his character is like such a robot. And I like, know. What? Anyway, that's not what we're talking about right now. Okay. So yes, next month. It's going to be good. We were talking about a Christmas prince. As you navigate the waters of the holiday season, whatever that means for you, know that you'll have a discussion on yes, a Christmas And prince. it'll be here just in time for Christmas. So, you know, so, if you celebrate Christmas... Merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, you can still listen to it you because still, mm-hmm. it's going to be chef's kiss. No, exactly. So <laughs> I love that. We, chef's kiss. Um, any holiday, really. Yeah. Like, there are themes in Christmas prints to support it. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and, you know, um, be t- keep a lookout on our Instagram because... Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to announce our next three episodes. Uh-huh. We kept you waiting a little Instagram. bit. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. But, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I just heard some, some geese flying yeah, home. Yeah. So, clearly, we're ready. We're ready. We have to ready go. Ready for winter. Audition for a yes. holiday concert. So, do that in your lives. Sing. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well... Have a great rest of your day or week yeah. or year. Stay warm out there or stay cool or out stay there cool. or stay in your exact correct state of warmness. I love it. Bye, guys. Okay, thanks. Bye.